1: Hey, I'm Molly, and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past, and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey everybody, it's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests. Guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Puholtz, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter. And we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy name. This is Sandy Clough and Chandra Tar on
2: Mile High Sports. It, I mean, it'll be fun. It'll be different for sure. Um, it'll be fun. Um, it's not like a revenge game or, or anything like that for me. Like, I left on good terms. Left and went to go win a Super Bowl. Um,
3: I had a great relationship with everybody in that facility. Um, didn't have any bad blood with anybody
4: in there. So for me, it was like I didn't want to leave. You know, I, I cried real tears when I left. So just to see them again and to see that
3: organization winning and starting to do better is, you know, a treat for me.
5: That, of course, was the voice of Vaughn Miller earlier this week talking to Bills Media. I'm Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left, Danny Bailey's in the booth. And uh, boy, that is. Everything we've ever heard from Von Miller, that if Von Miller had never left Denver, there wouldn't have been any sort of, oh, no, I really wanted to chase another ring with another team. That wasn't really him. He he really was more than content finishing out his career in Denver, would have enjoyed it, maybe even preferred it. Uh, But it it is at least refreshing to see one of the very best players. uh, We've talked about a top five player in Denver Broncos history. Oh, no doubt. uh, Have wholly positive emotions about the team, even though his career is going to wrap up somewhere else, but but enjoy
3: his time and appreciate it. I believe that his current attitude toward the Broncos is genuine. Uh, I also believe that he did want out uh, two years ago. He had no use for Vic Fangio, the head coach. He Fangio Vic did not Fangio get of... had no use for him. Nope, for whatever reason. Vic Fangio was hired by John Elway. Von Miller had little or no use for John Elway by the end of his time here. Uh, I don't know that he was especially fond of uh, ownership, particularly by comparison with uh, uh, the person who was the active day-to-day owner in 2011 when Vaughn Miller was drafted and came here to Denver. Um, I do think uh, the Broncos, sensing that they were being judged more than Vaughn Miller was, made sure they traded him not to a cellar dweller, but to a Super Bowl champion, at least a contender for a Mm -hmm. Super Bowl championship, and a team on which Vaughn Miller could make a difference. I think that was very important to them. And sure enough, they traded him to the Rams. He won a Super Bowl there. He was happy to do that. I think he was grateful for the chance to be able to win. That's quite a feather in his cap to win two Super Bowls with two different different teams organizations with impactful playoff runs in both cases, and then go to Buffalo when in theory he could have come back to Denver. I don't blame him for not coming back to Denver. The mess that the organization was in at that point, point. but instead signing as a free agent with the Buffalo bills, unfortunately suffered a very serious knee injury. Uh, I hear People, uh, including Chris Thomason yesterday, make mention of the fact that he's basically done nothing over the five games in which he's been active. I'm um, I, I am not close to Vaughn Miller. I don't know exactly what his uh, thought process is, apart from the fact that he feels, as he has most always felt in his career, a sense of loyalty to the team that signed him. Uh, frankly, I doubt that he had much business playing in any of the last five games. I think he accelerated his comeback once the Bills uh, sustained injuries uh, as they uh, did along the way uh, to the legs of Tredavious White, uh, the all-pro caliber cornerback who's out for the year with an Achilles tendon tear. Defensive tackle uh, Daquan Jones with a pec injury out for the year. Matt Milano with leg and knee injuries, the linebacker's supreme one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL, off-ball linebackers, linebackers, however you want to call them. Uh, Matt Milano's one of the five best. He, too, out for the year. And the Bills are allowing 4.9 yards per rush, which is 30th in the NFL. Uh, their secondary has been ravaged by injury on an almost uh, weekly basis. And I think he felt compelled to come back and give it a whirl. Uh, he hasn't played a lot. That's one of the reasons right. his uh, stats are down. And, and the reason he hasn't played a lot is that he really shouldn't be playing at all. Last and, year. And he's playing as much as he can play.
5: He did have. You know, he played in 11 games last year. He had eight sacks, which is. Oh, he was terrific. Very effective. Before
3: the injury, right. he was But this terrific. last
5: injury has really been problematic. This is a in his mid-30s he, yep, with a
3: coming off a very serious knee injury.
5: Right. And so, you know, that that that's the concern. If you're, if you're on Miller... Uh, who turns thirty-five in March? The everything you're doing is gravy. He's going to waltz into the Hall of Fame. He's got two Super Bowls with two with two different teams. You know, he was Absolutely. the MVP of a Super Bowl. That's right. uh, probably how many
3: defensive players are Super Bowl it's MVP? Not a lot. Uh,
5: arguably of his of his era of let's say 2011 on. If not the most feared pass rusher in the NFL, well, certainly I mean, in the mix, and I would say period. I would say he, he
3: he is the top in that. He, he, tore, he had an injury here, season-ending injury in 2020, uh, which prevented his being reunited with Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. Apart from their uh, uh, one year together, they were never out there very much together as a tandem after that. Uh, but I, I would say from 2011 through 2019 nine years and you know into a 10th and of course he was traded in his 11th season to the rams Uh, we saw in the playoffs what he could do his playing time increased a little bit when uh, the games were biggest uh, they kept him fresh as fresh as they could for the first three quarters so he could unleash in the fourth quarter, because Vaughn Miller understands, as many do, that the key to winning in the NFL is a fourth-quarter pass rush. Mm-hmm. The team that rushes the pass from the fourth-quarter best, in a close game. Right. close game. Unless you do it and so well in a, a Super Bowl that the quarterback yeah. kind of just bails on the game, and then,
5: you know, the fourth-quarter pass rush doesn't matter quite as much. But yeah, I well, get your point out. <laughs> i <I'd, I'd, I'd laughs> know to whom you and, are And the quarterback. quarterback is never the same after that yeah. for his entire That's right. career. But, right. yeah. Uh, you know, but...
3: but it, I don't think people understand. And this point was uh, made uh, in a piece I was uh, reading today by Ryan Clark. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Ryan Harris. I think you know the ESPN guy. Ryan Harris, our good friend, he mm-hmm. said people don't understand to this day how good Miller was in that Super Bowl. Okay, that was the first thing he said. So the second thing people don't understand is how much better he was. Two weeks earlier, the AFC Championship game that oh, he was in
5: the Super Bowl. Think of the quarterback
3: because when, he was he playing against Tom
5: Brady, not Cam Newton. And before that, he was playing against uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who still at if not the very peak of his power is extremely close to it, and maybe one of the most. Those difficult. Those were
3: the three best quarterbacks, quarterbacks in the NFL at that time. At that time, and
5: Roethlisberger historically has to be one of the most difficult quarterbacks ever to sack. The right. man is so big and so strong right. he'd shrug guys off. Yep. And, and Miller absolutely terrorizes them. Already member, by the way, of the Hall of Fame's all-2010, uh, all-decade all team. And when you go through that, that has got some names. Uh, but you're talking about the, the pass rushers during that period. Oh, he was
3: the best player. Yeah, J.J. He was the best defensive player in football.
5: Julius Peppers. For nine years. Aaron Donald and Donald Kasu. But when you're talking about the, the quote-unquote, edge rushers, where we used to call them outside linebackers. We want to call them edge rushers today. You had, this was your crew. Chandler Jones, Luke Kuechly, Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller. Miller's the best of that bunch.
3: Yeah, I think so. And uh, he, he was the best defensive player in football overall for nine years, 2011 through 2019. Uh, that doesn't then, just get you 20s, a pass into
5: the Hall of Fame. He, that gets you a.
3: Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it, so he's got longevity as well as Right. Okay. In the 20s, I get it. Uh, he, injuries he's caught more up more of little. a part-time player. Yeah. Injuries caught up with him. But I'll tell you what. When he was traded here two years ago, I thought he'd play another year, maybe finish up that he season might hang it up after, he retire won the after they won the Super Bowl. And if he did come back and play for somebody else the next year, one, it would be a contender, and two, it would be his last year. He suffers a knee injury and then comes back. Yeah, That's what he feels he owes the Buffalo Bills because that's the kind of person mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller has become. Yes. Over the last 12 years. A, and, a consummate professional. I think there were you, times yeah. early in his career yes. where you you wondered. Uh, there were some missteps along the but way, which well the Broncos' well loyalty in
5: standing behind him during that time sort of yeah. created a different era. Yeah, Von I, I, Von I think so. In the missteps, I so. I remember, was 23 years old. Right. And right. Uh, well, know, we I were think, through that age. Listen, it was
3: a very different time. The key move in the career of Vaughn Miller was the Broncos bringing in DeMarcus Ware. Yes, because Vaughn Miller and Vaughn Miller how how to be the be first a leader. Guy to tell you that learned how to be a leader from DeMarcus Ware. Yes. Who better to teach on leadership than DeMarcus Who, Ware Miller admitted
5: things. idolizing uh, in, in, when he was younger as well. So, I mean, obviously, it's a great fit. But now, Miller, it's it's really nice to pass it on because you're right. I, I think he came back to the Bills because, one, I think that they're one of the few contenders for the Super Bowl. Right. But Also, look, the Bills. Gave him a contract. He didn't feel he lived up to that contract. Sure. That actually, unlike a lot of athletes, that bothers Von Miller, yeah. and he's going to try to give you what you thought you uh, you paid absolutely for. absolutely agree. And I give him a tremendous amount of credit for that. Uh, it, it's almost, I wish this game was in Denver because I don't know how many opportunities there may be left for Von Miller to get a curtain call. Maybe none. In Denver, maybe, and maybe it may very none. well may be happen. none. Uh, maybe when he gets a, his ring of fame, call. this I could this be, be it. Curtain. Sean Payton had a chance to talk about Von Miller early in the week. Here's what he said.
4: I mean, you guys know um, the type of player he is. Um, We've had a number of games over the years. I can recall, you know, when you get assigned the Pro Bowl, um, AFC, NFC, I don't know what it is, but there's a financial bonus to winning that game or not winning it. And the last time I had a chance to coach it, it was down in Florida. I don't know what the score was, but, you know, he's got that gear and, and you know, I felt like at some point in the fourth quarter, he, he was counting on that additional 50 K or whatever it was. And uh, he kind of single-handedly took over the pro bowl. So he's got that type of ability and we have to know where he's at. I would say not just Vaughn, but that front has been, they've been, they've been injured on defense at some positions, but that front uh, has played well. And they're near the top of the league in pressures, sacks. I mean, it's, it's a really good um, run and pass front. You know, they, they're well coached. I said that last night, I asked someone who's coaching this front. You know, they, these guys are, are really good. Their third down numbers are really good. Um, and they create, you know, the tough ones are the ones that create a lot of havoc with a four-man rush, and these are one of this is one of those defenses.
5: I'll get to the the Bills defense in a moment because it is important, even though it's it's dinged up. But you hear even Sean Payton talking about. I was coaching the Pro Bowl. I don't even remember. What the score, didn't even pay attention, but he's like, Von Miller was, was ready to go take over the fourth quarter. The, one of my favorite quotes in the history of sports, when you're talking about sort of character in sports, and then there are, you know, a limited ones that really matter. But one of the ones that I think is really great, that, that I do not think a lot of modern athletes compare to, but I think Von Miller, as you put it, Sandy, I think, grew into it. Reminds me of the, the, the great quote from Joe DiMaggio, who was playing on a Yankees team that was not going to make the play. That didn't happen very often for DiMaggio's Yankees, but was playing out the string. And DiMaggio was asked by a reporter, how come you're out there playing so hard? And it's one of the best answers and best quotes in the history of sports, in my mind. He said, the reason I play so hard is that somewhere out there is some kid who has never seen me play before, and I don't want to disappoint him. That's the kind of player that Von Miller has become. And that's Rare. And, and it's it's not meant to denigrate the people that don't. Because the truth of the matter, especially in football, a very dangerous game, when you know there's nothing on the line for your team, when your team is eliminated, you could be hurt, you could find yourself in a bad situation, and it, it's uh, not a cardinal sin to maybe put not put yourself in a position to get hurt or something like that. I just don't think the way that Von Miller has become as a person and a, and a professional, I don't think it's the way he thinks. I think he thinks the way DiMaggio did.
3: Yeah, even in the Pro Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. this is obviously backaways, right? When, but nobody's some ever did cared the about Pro Bowl Not seriously. Uh, there, there were a few, and he was one of the few who did take it uh, seriously. And there, there might have been others. Uh, you know, I can't believe that Peyton Manning wouldn't have taken. I mean, if you're out any there, game, you right. Anything less than uh, seriously. Uh, uh, there, there are a few like that, but he's. He really is one of a kind, and I I think his his leadership style has evolved, and it's, uh, you know, uh, remember the line, uh, at least it's the line I remember most from Vaughn Miller, I'm here to tell jokes and sack quarterbacks, Right. And that kind of summarized his leadership style, and it's the way people remember him who had brief interaction. Remember, there are only 14 players on this Bronco roster, who spent any time Mm -hmm. with Vaughn Miller as a teammate, which is shocking since he only left two years ago, and there are only 14 guys left who played with him at all, who crossed paths with him here. But among those 14, they recall stories, first and foremost, that demonstrated the humor of Vaughn Miller and his ability to keep everything light. And that isn't a leadership style that everyone espouses. But it works for him because it's genuine. And the best part of Von Miller as a leader is Von Miller, the player. Right. Uh, he, he, he commands respect. Uh, Peyton Manning, to this day, will openly acknowledge that Von Miller, in particular, and that defense in general, was primarily responsible for that mm-hmm. Super Bowl win somewhere between primarily and exclusively. He's, he's been rather clear, vocal and clear about that ever since because it was a, uh, a
5: a dominant performance over a dominant career. And, yeah, if this is the last time a number of Broncos fans get to see Vaughn Miller, uh, even as the opponent, uh, it is special because it doesn't feel like too many opportunities are going to be around. Then the next time, of course, it'll be when he's in the ring of fame and probably the Hall of Fame in probably the same year. That's the waiting period uh, is identical, but I I suspect that, uh, that there's a lot to like about that, and when you think of how Von Miller started, the ability was always there, but some of the maturity was not. He runs into DeMarcus Ware, he gets that, and now you're talking about a guy that is universally, not only respected, but borderline adored, not only by just Broncos fans, but by NFL fans in general. That's remarkable, and it's special, and Pretty fortunate he was able to pass through these parts for as long as he did. For the Denver Broncos fans, this, hopefully they uh, get to see a little bit there. I don't think that Vaughn Miller has, uh, at least I think he's, I'm with you, Sandy. I don't think he's got much either left because of injury this year or in general. I don't know if it's in general, but this year it doesn't feel like he's got a lot going. He's you know trying, I think, his best. Uh, but it, it will be uh, sort of bittersweet, I guess, for Broncos fans to see number 40 for the Bills out there running around but uh, at the same time i can't think of too many players that broncos fans have watched go that were actually very happy to see him go win a super bowl and oh, succeed I, well, he won one here
3: mm-hmm. you know and it is and everyone knows how much like, how much of it was it's, because of him it's a little like remember when lebron finally won the title in cleveland they didn't mind his leaving. No, they the went up. They time. would have been they great if he nearly, stayed. But they were like, ah, nah, they weren't, like, weren't nearly as upset. It's okay. <laughs> they knew the team was going bad and it wasn't going to win any more titles. But he got them the one. That was enough. That's all they ever wanted. And as bothered as they were when he left the first time, uh, the second time, hey, you did what you said you would do. You brought. A championship team back to Cleveland to
5: your home to your home where uh, to a franchise that had never won one before,
3: never won one before, and to a city that had a champion previously in 1964 with Jim Brown's Cleveland Browns winning the NFL championship that year over Johnny Unitas, Don Shula, and the Baltimore Colts. They had not had a title since, and they had lost a football team because. Mm -hmm. In I always feel this way. They blew the AFC Championship game on that famous day, the drive game, January 11th, 1987. If the Browns had won that game, the Browns would still be in Cleveland as the Cleveland
0: Browns. They might have won not
3: a title. As an expansion team.
5: My, who knows? You know, but uh, they're. I mean, the the Cleveland Guardians have the longest. They are now the team with the longest stretch. They have. Hell, no, Bill 19-48. Belichick might
3: still be the coach of the Cleveland Browns if they had won January eleventh, nineteen eighty seven, in a game that Bill Belichick had nothing to do with. He had a lot to do with a game two weeks later, in which the Broncos were beaten by the New York Football Giants thirty nine to ten, and that game was the game that either was going to get Bill Belichick a head coaching job within three or four years, when Bill Parcells retired or a head coaching job with somebody else. That game did it for Bill Belichick. But Bill Belichick's fate in Cleveland, in my opinion, is predetermined. Within a decade, as soon as they lost that game, anybody who was really paying attention knew that that was the game that would result years later in their leaving Cleveland. Well, if they had won that game and gone to a Super Bowl, even losing it, they'd still be in Cleveland today as the real Cleveland.
5: Don't Bears. short the Broncos those 10 points. It was 39 20 in Super Bowl 21. They, they did score 20s. So they well, got a yeah, little. They, bit I'm close. thinking to the half where they were actually ahead. <laughs> they were ahead 10 to nine. to 9. Yep. 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 Yeah. 39 the to 20. Colorado Avalanche, of course, have a recent championship. Of course, they were also recently knocked out by the Kraken. Well, it happened again last night. And uh, in. Eerie fashion. It's some of the same things we've seen with the Avs. The Kraken were able to take advantage. They win four to three. We'll break it down with Mile High Sports' Arif Dean next. <laughs>
1: hey i'm molly and i'm the host of the did that age well podcast each week my guests and i recap and review movies from the past and we talk about how they hold up i'm joined by comedians writers friends and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics we break them all down and share some laughs as we do it so find us at milehighlife.com or follow did that age well wherever you get your podcasts
0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports.
4: Less than a minute to go here. Hit off for Larson. Cracking her a desperate bunch as well. Bjorkstrand wants to reverse direction. Gave it up, shot. Same close to touch. I can't believe it. Oliver Bjorkstrand, far shot of the crease. The puck goes right to him
3: for a second of the game. And with 31.6 left, the Kraken have gone on top
5: 4 three. Oh, I did not
3: see that coming at all. I mean, I thought as a whole, I mean, that's the way I want our team to compete. That's, you know, it was, we, we played hard. We weren't perfect, uh, never going to be, um, but I thought we did a nice job.
5: Those, of course, were the voices of Mark Mosher I agree with Rycroft on Altitude and then Jared Bednar after oh, agree the, with the game. Bednar. Great job, Danny Bailey, to assemble all of that. Uh, I I do think they played pretty well. They did lose by that score 4-3. to three. Right. They weren't able to, to to get the equalizer in the last half of, the, of a minute, but they actually came surprisingly close on a couple of occasions. Joining us now to talk about it is Mile Eye Sports' a top hockey writer, our main avalanche writer. His name is Eric Dean. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, Twitter at Run Right Arif. That's A A R I F, uh, host of the Rocky. Uh, pardon me, the Hockey Mountain High podcast, of course. <laughs> uh, so Arif, thanks for joining us. Uh, ap- appreciate it. We'll get into the game. The first thing uh, to ask though, uh, Arturi Leikkanen goes hard into the boards. Both Sandy and I talked about it, even on the broadcast. Kind of, kind of more lousy luck than dirty. Uh, taken oh, to the hospital. Man. Absolutely. Uh, what is the latest is on Leikkanen?
2: There hasn't been any updates yet. The Avalanche were off today, uh, Friday. I'm losing track of my days. So I'm sure we'll hear something morning skate. Uh, best case scenario, and and I don't mean best case in the terms of it's going to have the same lingering issues, but best case scenario, in my opinion, the best case would be if it ends up something like what we saw last year with Kyle McCarr when he took that uh, Jeff Carter hit. And it Wait, ended up just was being questionable. Like that. it was questionable, yeah. But it ended up being that thing where it's like, He's on concussion protocol. He just has to pass right. concussion tests for right. seven to ten days and he'll come back. Yeah. Because I think that's I ultimately agree. where Loki is. Yeah. yeah. So that would be best case scenario. Obviously, I'm not talking about what ended up happening with Kale and then he got hit by a blues player later. Like that's a different story. But I'm I'm willing to wager it's something to do with concussion protocol, just given the way his head went into the boards. Uh, like you said, just a completely unfortunate, unlucky play. I love that Jared uh Jared knows how to kind of balance, you know, sticking up for his guys with being honest because he was very, very clear with me when I asked him about the Cagliano hit that he took from Vince Dunn and how it's a check from behind and it should have been a penalty and blah, 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 blah. And then when somebody else asked him about the and hit, he said Alexiak did nothing wrong. It was just he an didn't. unfortunate He
3: point. didn't. And good for well, Mark yeah. Rycraft on the, the – Telecast Mark Rycroft uh, on the on the telecast uh, immediately pushing back on the same thing. Yeah. on the notion that was initially expressed that it might have been uh, a, a dirty hit. It was not in any way, shape, or form. It was unfortunate, yeah. but it's it's hockey. People get hurt just like people get hurt. And I I think we're we're now in this kind of realm of uh, any injury that looks serious. Well, it has to be a cheap shot that is connected to it. And this in no way was a cheap shot. Uh, it, it, it just is something that happens in hockey. And I mean, the, uh, uh Seattle, uh, kid Everly uh, missed the game because in practice the other day, uh, s- someone ran a skate blade, uh, over his yeah. leg. And hopefully that's not very serious. Um, I, th- these deals with skate blades, now, uh, you know they got to put neck guards out there. I I don't know how they get it done, but it has to be done quickly. In any case, I, I am I alone with Bednar? Uh, it sounds like you and Sean are with me on this. I actually thought the Avalanche played a good game, and losing Leckanen for whatever reason, losing Leckanen is a big blow when he's playing on the top line with McKinnon and Ratn. And actually, all three are having very good games. And by the end, you know, McKinnon was, uh, I think, probably their best player last night. But Ranton was quite good. Uh, Nishushkin got a little more ice time once yep. uh, Lekkonen went out. And I thought he played well. And I thought, you know, defensively, they were fine. Uh, goaltending was not great. But I think all in all, they played well. And sometimes you just lose.
2: I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, look, we know that Kraken play the Avalanche tough. They always have, uh, especially last year, even in the regular season, not just the playoffs. Uh, And it's kind of stretched until now. We saw kind of a a vintage and vintage for all the wrong reasons type of game for the Avalanche yesterday from last season where injuries kind of decimate the depth, even though it was one guy this time. Injuries kind of decimate the depth, and you end up with McKinnon, Rantanen, and the 2 skin, your top three forwards, playing big minutes, yep. Carr and Case playing big minutes, and pretty much they're the only ones that are going. So it was very similar in that sense. Uh, Seattle also scored the first goal, which they did every single game of the seven-game series last year. They also did it in a game, the Avalanche won 4-1 on October 17th. So it was very vintage in that sense, but I do agree. They did not play a bad game, I think. The biggest takeaway you can get from a game like that is, I, I recall back to when the Avalanche beat the Carolina Hurricanes earlier in the season to improve to 5-0. They obviously ended up going on the road beating the Islanders and going 6-0. But I asked Jared, I said, you know, how do you keep doing this? You, you added three or four new players, actually this year it was six new players, to your forward group and you started 5-0. and You did the same thing in 2020. The year they added Kadri, Berkey, uh, Nichushkin, and Donskoy, they started 5-0. and and he said, we're winning, but we're not at our best, and we have, a, we have another gear, and I'm probably just being hard on my guys. I probably have a higher standard, but, but he's like, that's how I genuinely feel. And what I saw yesterday, because what we saw early in the season was Natrushkin wasn't entirely there offensively. He's still a great two-way player, so when he's not scoring, he's still pitching in, but he was missing something offensively. Nathan McKinnon, he had nine points in his first ten games. He wasn't dominating the games that he did like he did against the Devils and against the Seattle Kraken. So we're seeing him kind of get a little bit better. We're seeing the defense start to pitch in offensively after outside of Makar, everybody's kind of had a slow start. So in the same way that that Carolina win in those first five games were victories at a time where you're expecting more out of the avalanche. What I saw yesterday was a loss from a team that is starting to take those strides to reach their maximum potential. That's what we've been seeing the last two or three seasons the Avalanche don't go off to 10-0, and 10-1 starts like the Golden Knights do, they take a month or two to figure it out, and then they start
5: flying. Now, they don't have to wait too long to get things back uh, in order. They will take on the Blues, who they beat not all that long ago with uh, Ivan Prosvetov in net. Uh, he was in net last night. But the truth of the matter is, is it's, a, it's a very good start for the Avs, 8-4. and four. You really don't want to look at it that this happens in a long season. You can play a good game and still lose that sports. At the same time, they're 2-4 and four in their last six games. And that's not the way the Avalanche uh, think of themselves, nor given their talent, they probably should. What do you think over these last half dozen games are missing that they haven't been able to put on display in the first chunk of the season?
2: I think, honestly, the biggest thing is they're still trying to figure out their combinations. Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. I, what I've noticed from this team is and, and you know what, it's an 82, when you're this good, you can take the time to figure things out that's what made last year so tough, they were out of the playoffs at game 40 and they had no more time to test things out they had to just roll with McKinnon and Ray I don't expect that to be the case this year, you're going to need the time one of the things that I love that Jared is sticking with because we know he's open to trying new combinations and I agree with his with, his, uh, with what he's trying to do here, is he is high water. He's keeping the Chushkin and Johansson together as much as possible. Obviously, lucking an injury aside, but he's keeping them together as much as possible because without Landis God, we know there's a little bit of a hole in the top six. We spoke, uh, all three of us, when I was on your guys' show before the season began, we talked about Drewen is the guy on the top line. If he doesn't do well, Tatar will get a shot. If he doesn't do well, Sandy, you and I said, you know what, let's give Ross Colton a shot. They haven't gone there yet, but the moral of the story is they know... They have a combination, a duo, in McKinnon and Rantanen that's going to crush it no matter who you put as their third guy, which now is Lekkanen before the injury. They're trying to create that pair on the second line. If they can get 12 and 13, Johansson and Natchushka, to be that second pair, and maybe that goal yesterday will help out because we're starting to see to play a little bit better, and we know Johansson is a playmaker despite having one assist. He's got five goals. It's very strange. If they can get 12 and 13 going and 29 and 96 going – well now you feel a little bit better about the fact that you got a plug and play le in on one line maybe it's Druen, maybe it's Tatar, maybe you give O'Connor a shot maybe you give Colton wood it doesn't matter you have two duos that you trust so they're still trying to figure that out the defense we're still seeing a lot of Gerard with Manson Byron with Manson Gerard with Byron we're still seeing a lot of Jack Johnson with Manson Jack Johnson yeah with Jack we're,
3: Johnson we're with seeing Manson. a lot of that and I, I I will follow up uh because I that's not necessarily a sore spot, but I, I don't think it's ideal that Byram and Gerard are paired off together. Uh, I don't I think it necessarily it. helps either one of them. Uh, but it, this is my opinion, and I'd like your reaction to it. I just don't think Johnson or Manson is playing well enough right now to put on the second defense tandem. And I I think they're kind of forced to play Gerard and Byram together because the other two guys are – Johnson's 11, 12 minutes a game. Max uh, Manson is not playing well, and he's maybe 15. I think they had to stretch him out a little bit uh, last night, uh, 15-46. That was uh, a little heavy uh, for him. Um, And and I know Gerard and Byram, I think, are together – because they're third and fourth in ice time. <laughs> and if you put one of them back into third tandem, you can't play one of the two as much as uh, uh, they want to play him. That, what do you think about that? You you think they'd rather split them up if all things were uh, equal and Manson and Johnson were playing a little better? They'd, they'd split those two up, put Byram with – Either Manson or Johnson, and put Gerard with the other one.
2: Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. That's that's probably part of the reason. I asked Jared about it a couple of weeks ago. If, if it was because you know he's not seeing enough from Manson on the second pair, and he kind of brushed it off. I think he just kind of he switched the question more to talking about the positives of Gerard and Byram. I think what Jared needs to get back to because he has done this before and he's done it confidently. I just don't think he's doing it confidently right now. Is having pairs for certain situations. McCarr and Taves play together on the PK, they play together on the on, on right. at even strength. Right. If you were to put right. them together on the power play, by all means, they would crush it there as well. Defensive zone, offensive zone, neutral zone, three on three, four on four, five on five. You put McCarr and Tades together, they'll figure it out. What they gotta get back to, what Jared's gotta confidently get back to, and having that confidence means you gotta have that confidence in Mike Manson and Jack Johnson, which is what you and I are kind of hypothesizing right now that he doesn't have right. is you have a defensive zone draw and it's Byram's turn to go up. put out Byram and Manson. You have an offensive zone draw there's a minute 10 seconds left in the second period and you guys are pressing and it's Byram's turn to go up. Yeah put in Byram and Girard. start to play it more situational. It's kind of similar yeah. to yeah it's kind of similar to the forward units. I mean the second line winger yesterday was Riley Tufte. Yeah. Riley Tufte played at even strength obviously with, with Val and Johansen for a majority of the game. Mostly. Until the like, yeah. an injury happened. Yeah, until, until the like, an injury happened. Right. Uh, but he was in that top six. But Riley Tufte played 14 10. Logan O'Connor played 15 11. Miles Wood was a little bit behind him. So despite Logan O'Connor being a third liner, despite. Uh, Riley he's getting Tufts, pretty he heavy minutes liner.
3: for a third liner, isn't he?
2: Yeah, O'Connor. yeah, yeah. But Deservedly it's, it's, so. But yeah, he, 100%. The guy starts every season just on a tear and then. Uh, as, one of, as one of my close friends said, the 52-goal the scoring drought this year for Logan O'Connor is going to hit different after that <laughs> short-handed spree he had. But uh, the, the moral of the story is, despite Riley Tufte being the second liner, there were still situational shifts. I can't recall any off the top of my head, but obviously Logan O'Connor plays more on the PK. I'm sure if there was a shift in the defensive zone where the Avalanche figured it might be better to have O'Connor there digging the puck out with Natchushkin, they probably went that route instead. It's the same thing with the D core. I think they need to get more back too. When you have those, you know there was there was those that time where it was uh, it was Tyson Berry and Sam Girard when Girard first was traded here. It was Gerard with, I want to say it was Gerard and EJ, and then it was Barry and Zadorov. But then the Avalanche would have these like offensive pushes. You know, they're down three to two with eight minutes left in regulation, and it's a face off in the offensive zone. It was screw it. Let's put out McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis God, and let's put Gerard and Barry back there, knowing very well Gerard and Barry's a terrible defensive unit on the defensive side, but we need to score here. So if they can get back to trusting Manson and trusting Jack Johnson separately, to play in those kind of situational shifts, then it makes sense where you know nothing is better than when the ass have the they have the pressure in the offensive zone and Gerard and Byram are cycling the heck out of the puck with the offensive unit. You're not going to get that out of Jack or Josh like that's not what they're here to do. So if they can get back to having that confidence in those guys to play them more situationally, I think it would be better for them. It would be better for Byram for Gerard and obviously for Jared.
5: He is Arif Dean, the lead writer for the Avalanche on MileHighSports.com and the host of the Hockey Mountain High podcast. You can check that out over at MileHighSports.com on the app or anywhere you get your podcasts. So make sure you give him a follow on social at Run right Arif. That's A-A-R-I-F. Uh, thanks for the insight. Obviously, we'll take a look at the, this for the Avs. You know, you start 6-0, uh, and oh, and then the next 6, you go to 2-4, and four. Uh, It's not as if things are bad on the whole, but they're not trending in the direction you'd like to see them. We'll find out what they do Saturday uh, before they get another crack at the same crack in on Monday night. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks so much, Eric Dean, joining us. Uh, The Avalanche pointed out we'll be back at it on Saturday night against the St. Louis Blues. And uh, you have those great starts and then things get wobbly. Now for the Avs, they're still eight and four. Everything looks perfectly fine. There's no panic. Colorado Buffalo started out three and oh. (laughs) Uh, it's, if it's not panic, it might be close. At least seems that maybe there's a little acting out of panic up in Boulder. We'll talk about the Buffs and the Denver Broncos with our friend from CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams, next on Miley Sports. Daddy a long day.
1: Hey, I'm Molly and I'm the host of the Did That Age Well podcast. Each week, my guests and I recap and review movies from the past and we talk about how they hold up. I'm joined by comedians, writers, friends, and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics. We break them all down and share some laughs as we do it. So find us at milehighlife.com or follow Did That Age Well wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Sandy Cuff and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy.
5: We will get to the Broncos and Buffaloes with our friend Justin Adams in just a little bit, but we'll pay attention to the Denver Nuggets, who uh, now get a bit of a, uh, a couple days away. They will take on the Houston Rockets last seen sandblasting the Los Angeles Lakers. They get the uh, the Rockets on Sunday, and, and as they take a couple days away from that, let me give you a number that was kind of jarring, Sandy, to me, and, and a very, very good one. Uh, one of the more advanced metrics in, in basketball is called net rating. It's actually very easy. The idea of net rating is it's done by a lot of NBA stats to by the idea of 100 possessions. As you've broken down many times over the years, the, the number of possessions and many times is more important. As a matter of fact, possessions plus efficiency tends to lead to wins more than anything. Right. Net rating is the idea of how efficient and effective a team is or players are based on the 100 possessions. The best pair of players in the NBA by that ranking in a, in, on a single team, the best duo, when you think about the great duos in, in the league, is Nikola Jokic and one of his teammates. Well, Jamal Murray's been hurt. It's not Jamal Murray. It's not Aaron Gordon. Who think well, it's not Michael Porter Jr. Who's played rather well too. It's Reggie Jackson. Yeah. that That's the way things have gone since Reggie Jackson has stepped in and played starters minutes and he was playing big bench minutes. Yeah. Reggie Jackson and Nikola Jokic are the best on court net rating duo in the NBA, uh, Obviously, Jokic makes everyone better. But you have to give a ton of credit to Reggie Jackson in this case, who has not only been a seamless since subbing in from Murray as a starter, but has looked good uh, all year long after a, a season when he was
3: added to the Nuggets midway through. It seemed like he was miscast. Well, <laughs> it's wild, isn't it? Because he couldn't establish himself as part of the plane rotation. And they desperately wanted him to. And they wanted him to. Um, uh, He had a few nibbles, I guess, during the playoffs. But really, they they had all but given up on him by the time the playoffs began. And I think rightfully so. uh, You generally shorten your bench during the playoffs, uh, especially if you're a title-contending team. The Nuggets did that. They stuck with uh, eight people, the five starters, of course, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and um, Uncle Jeff. Right. Right? Right. And so when it was suggested during the offseason that, well, you know, we, we want to develop these young players, these draft picks, the rookies coming in. And particularly in Pickett's case, we might go with the veteran Reggie Jackson at least at the beginning of the year. And I I said, wait, wait a minute, the same Reggie Jackson who couldn't get on the court right. last year during the regular season or during the playoffs after an initial uh, bit of experimentation, he was not deemed worthy. This year, he's been terrific. And, you know, we thought when Murray got hurt that they might not want to disrupt the rotation on the bench and that they would start, as they did at times last year in similar situations, they would start somebody who ordinarily doesn't get to play. Right. And he might get 10, 12 minutes, and then they'd hit the bench, and the bench guys would play a little more, and maybe a few of the starters would pick up the remaining minutes. He went right to Reggie Jackson, who had been the first off the bench, not necessarily the bench guy who played the most minutes, but the first player to come in until Murray got hurt, was Reggie Jackson. So Michael Malone, correctly, as it turns out, determined that it would be Reggie Jackson starting with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, another veteran guard who can do a little bit of everything and, well, frankly, can do a lot of plain defense. Yeah, But Reggie Jackson's been sound defensively, too. So you start these two guards, and you find that they're forcing turnovers. They're not making many themselves. They're shooting uh, with uh, a kind of sense of shot selection that I guess you expect from a veteran, but I I don't take it for granted. No, and no. He's take bad shots all the been time. great. And, and really, it hasn't disturbed the bench much. And, you know, the guy who gets now kind of the uh, see-if-he-has-it minutes, but if he doesn't, we get him out, is Julian so Strother. Right. Yeah. And otherwise, you got Brown and Watson. And you, know, you can work in Najee here and there, but that seems to be somewhat situational. Uh, their bench got outplayed the other night. No doubt that Golden State's bench was both... Deeper and more efficient than Denver's bench was the other night. That's why I think Golden State and maybe Minnesota, also a team with a deep bench, are the two main threats to the Nuggets more so than Dallas. Dallas is excellent offensively, but Dallas is not deep and Dallas doesn't guard. Right. Golden State guards, Minnesota guards. Minnesota is not as smart a team as Golden State, not even close but they have Mike Conley and with a fully healthy team. Now they're really good defensively and Conley doesn't have to score since Towns is scoring more and Edwards is scoring more Conley can distribute. And in his mid thirties, Conley can play that game and maybe late thirties now, right? With Conley 37. Yeah. Am I right? I think that's Uh, correct. So I think those are the two teams that represent threats. But the two young teams here at the start of the year, through one-tenth of the schedule, right, in the West, anyway, seem to be Oklahoma City and Houston. And frankly, on Sunday, I would expect the Nuggets to do to Houston much of what they did to Oklahoma City when they played Oklahoma City on a Sunday on the road a few weeks a, a reasonably tough game though in spots obviously
5: and then uh, we will find out Hunter Tyson by the way we talk about the bench Hunter Tyson is signed to Grand Rapids uh great the G yeah. League team that well, the you, Nuggets you have you have
3: to give these guys minutes and, right. and he's just not going to play here
5: well, unless I, they're a rash of injuries yeah because I think we see with there that if it's not working they pull him and then go to veteran right. Justin Holiday very quickly they did and, the other night holiday actually uh yeah, well. solidified. So I mean, yeah. I think it makes sense. So Tyson goes to Grand Rapids. Well. They will uh, start their season. Their season opener is also on Sunday. And, and don't be surprised That's if a good in, one. in not That's a too one. long a time. Perhaps Jalen Pickett ends up there as well I for the so same too. reasons. I think so. I think just Strother, feel will like we said.
3: Need. One would be the keeper, and I don't know if either has got the right one. No. But, <laughs> but we didn't expect the uh the explosive scoring from straw the, the, the whole time right, enough right. that you just
5: there's enough scoring at the nba well, Strother level gives him
3: a three ball
5: that you have to be able to to respect but
3: as uh no less in authority than nikola Jokic pointed out the other night strother's got a strother's an experienced season player and he's mature but he's got to learn that well, Every shot yeah. is not a good shot. Right.
5: And it's, and it's great when you're hitting them, but that just means that you're getting more attention defensively and someone else is open, which is and what Bill
3: suggested as yes. well.
5: So to at pass. that point, you need to pass. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out for the Nuggets. Obviously, uh, they are playing phenomenal basketball right now. The team just looks like the, the the best team in the league, and it's not even all that close. Reminded that. Well, uh, only, you know, you, you talk about Dallas. I mean, let, let me say they're only nine in. games into the season and they already have a one and a half game lead over the, anyone else. Well, the no, I,
3: I I know that's fine. But I, I think in the West, you're right. Um, I, I think Golden State, and Minnesota potentially could challenge them. They're the mm-hmm. two teams that played the Nuggets best uh, through the first nine games of the season for uh, Denver. Let me just make a point about Philadelphia, though, in the East. Now that James Harden is gone, Mm -hmm. Joel Embiid is better. Uh, I was talking to our friend George Carl the other day about this, and you know George uh, last year was not particularly an Embiid booster. Certainly didn't think he should have been the MVP. And George is of the mind now that while Jokic is still clearly the best player in the sport, that Embiid is a better player, one without Harden, and two with Nick Nurse as his coach. And George's son coaches on the Philadelphia bench. He is an assistant. And Nick Nurse is pure old school, and he will push anybody and everybody, and his attitude toward Harden was perfect. If you're here, you're here. If you're not, you're not. Well, is I there. don't really care.
5: 31.7 points a game, 10.9 boards, 2.3 but blocks. I'll tell you what. Along
3: with Embiid, this Maxi kid is going to be a great star, and he is much better than Harden. And
5: now he'll get his opportunity. Much less selfish
3: than Harden. And now everything opens up for him, and they have some depth. I thought the trade Maury made for Harden under the circumstances was extraordinary. Larceny. Phenomenal
5: job. And uh, – I, so I agree throw with Throw
3: them in as one of the three teams Your in the
5: textbook East. addition by subtraction in James Harden's case. And and ask how the Clippers have gone since it's looked like a disaster uh since he joined that their their initial look was terrible. Yeah. And now nobody seems to know it'll you, fit together you know, and he hasn't it, even been there a week.
3: And and you know, it's that the equivalent of Minnesota in the East may be an even more improved team than Minnesota. Indiana. Bruce Brown is starting, but Bruce Brown is a complimentary player. Mm-hmm. And sure. You look at their starting. Line, Tyrese Halliburton isn't. They're really good. Yeah. They are really. Halliburton good. is a stud. They
5: have Matt Matherin, of course, the high draft pick from from Arizona. Uh, Buddy Heal's out there shooting. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, pickup, and I like I like the the sort of second team for Obi Toppin out of out of Daytona, the, the National College Player of the Year. Uh, before he came out, and it just didn't quite click in New York. But it seems to yeah, be regaining his I never his form understood a little bit. that
3: because I loved him.
5: Uh, and it seems to be regaining his form a little bit with the with the Pacers. There's yeah. a lot to like there as well. Well, remember, uh, if you refer a friend, you can earn a $50 bonus this season with our friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook's the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss the refer-a-friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer-a-friend link under your profile in the Superbook app, share that promo code with your friends, and then you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, we will talk about the Colorado Buffaloes, who will finish their home part of their schedule tomorrow against Arizona the, and uh, the Denver Broncos. The fighting buffs. And seemingly if you so. If We will discuss the that with buffs. our, uh, from CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams, next on My Life Sports.
1: Hey, I'm Molly and I'm the host of the did that age well podcast each week my guests and I recap and review movies from the past and we talk about how they hold up I'm joined by comedians writers friends and podcasters to talk about the cringeworthy to the timeless classics we break them all down and share some laughs as we do it so find us at milehighlife.com or follow did that age well wherever you get your podcasts
0: Hey everybody, it's Drew Goodman. Guess what? Like everybody else in America, I have a podcast. Actually, I've had it for four years. Download it at all of your favorite places you get podcasts. I have great guests. Guys like Ryan McMahon, Dan Issel, Hall of Famer-to-be Albert Puholtz, current Hall of Famer Larry Walker, Adam Schefter, and we kick around subjects locally, regionally, nationally. So download it and tell your friends. The Drew Goodman Podcast. Catchy name.